Good morning. So glad to be here with y'all on this Lord's Day. Um, as we know in the Christian calendar, today is what we call Palm Sunday. Um, and it's a wonderful day to be here and worship the Lord together with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. A couple of announcements. This morning, we are still doing the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Our goal is $6,000. Um, visitors. So if you're visiting with us today, um, we're glad you're here. Um, we uh, would love for you to pick up a visitor's card and fill it out so we can call you every five minutes and harass you. Um, I'm just playing. We're not going to do that. <laughs> As y'all can tell, Shannon's not here today, and I will be preaching. I will be doing things and probably not like Shannon normally would. So I do ask that you roll with the punches. Uh, we are having some technical difficulties with the screen um, back there in the sound booths, and I think they're working that out. Um, a few more announcements. April 29th, Brooke, we're, they're still on for the girls' retreat. Boys, I'm sorry, uh, I'm working on something, but we, we haven't quite planned one for the men. Um, but I will say, just to give a little spoiler, if you're into roughing it on the river in a tent, no electricity or running water, um, let me know because that's what I'm planning for the men's retreat. Um, no. Um, another announcement, Easter Sunday. Next Sunday, we are having our normal Easter services at 7.30. We have the sunrise service at the football stadium at the school. At 8 a.m., we have the breakfast at the um, fellowship hall served by the deacons, which is always one of my favorite meals of the year. Um, I will say if, you, if someone brings biscuits, there should be gravy with it. One of my favorite breakfast foods. Um, at 9 a.m. is the Easter egg hunt, 10 a.m. Uh, regular schedule of Sunday school and 11 a.m. worship, and there will be no evening services on Easter Sunday. Any more announcements that I've missed? All right, for, for our call to worship this morning, I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 21. Today is Palm Sunday. Um, through studying for my sermon this morning, I have learned that more than likely it was actually Palm Monday, but since we meet on Sunday to worship, this is the day that we remember the beginning of Jesus' Passion Week. So if you want to follow along, Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 1. And when they had approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And this took place in order that what was spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a pack animal. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their garments on them and he sat on the garments and most of the crowd spread their garments in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road and the crowds going up ahead of him and those who followed were crying out Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest. And we had, when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we are here this morning, gathered together as your people to worship you, to honor your Son. Lord, I pray that our worship is satisfying to you. Help us this morning to focus on you, to focus on Christ. Take our focus off the world and everything that can distract us. For Lord, you're the reason we are here. We praise you for Christ, for his life, for his death on the cross, for the fact that he has risen and ascended at your right hand. Lord, it is in his name that we pray all these things. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this. This might be new to you. I'm going to sing it over you. Join in when you catch on. come to you this morning and we just desire to worship you as we get ready to celebrate the very thing that brought us life. God, let us focus on who you are and lift you up in all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We're going to sing this next song. Forgive me, it's been a morning of changes, all sorts of changes. Uh, Denise called me a little while ago, and, and she's not feeling well this morning, and so um, I'm going to teach a couple of new songs this morning, and this is what the people were saying to Jesus as he came into the temple, and they were crying out to him. 
And the thing that I remember constantly in my own life is these are the same people that the next week were saying crucify him. Now the difference is we're on the other side of that. And not that we don't ever mess up and say one thing and then do something different. Because I don't know about you, but maybe I'm the only one that ever does that. But I claim Jesus and then my life doesn't show it sometimes. The difference is we have the grace and the mercy of Christ and the blood on the cross that forgives us. So we're going to sing this song together. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Cleanse our hearts and make them clean, God. So that you may be glorified in us. In the name of Jesus alone we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Farmington is home. 
This place actually used to be called uh, Tota, uh, which is Navajo for three rivers, because there, there are three rivers that meet here in Farmington. You have Native American cultures, you have Hispanic cultures, you have white culture, and all of them are, are blending together. Growing up Navajo and Hispanic, I mean, the, the, these are my people. So it was always going to be, when I finished up my college and seminary education, to come back home and to do gospel work here. This is a forgotten area. It's a neglected area. The Navajos are forgotten people. Um, and so there are a lot of problems here, a lot of drug abuse, a lot of alcohol abuse. And, and you combine that with poor education, high literacy, broken homes, a lot of poverty. It really creates this perfect storm. So I got hired on at a high school here. Working in the schools has really given me a unique opportunity to share the gospel with a, with a variety of students as they, as they come into my office. They know that there's someone at the school who cares about them, who they trust, who they can go and talk to. And what that has done is with our youth group, it's predominantly these, these students coming from that context that want to know more and they're hungering for more. There has to be churches for these people. So when people give, it enables us to do ministry, to do ministry effectively. The Navajo people are just like any other people. They're a people who have a proud, rich history, but they're a people who need Jesus Christ. So we're here to spread the gospel, to give the good news to a forgotten people in a forgotten place. We stand at Every 
your strength is made evident in our weakness. And so, God, we come and we get on our knees before you, God, and just say that this morning we need you to be evident. of our heart, God. And let us see you in all your fullness and all your glory. So that just like when Moses came off the mountain, he had to veil his face because your glory was so bright. That when we go back into a dark and dying world, God, it wouldn't see us, but it'd see you. this in the blood of the cross and let the gospel have its work this morning. In your name I pray. You may be seated. So as James said, this has been a morning of changes. So there will be a change of menu this morning. If you look at the bulletin, it says I will be 
preaching on the crucifixion. And up until last night, that was my plan. But as we know, our plans change. I don't know if I changed my mind or if God changed my mind, but that sermon wasn't coming together very well. And I told my wife yesterday I spent more time in prayer than I probably have in many, many months. Um, I think I spent more time praying yesterday than writing a sermon or reading and studying for that sermon. So the plans have changed. We will be in Matthew chapter 22. If you will stand with me for the reading and honoring of God's word. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 through 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatted livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers, and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all that they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guest, he saw a man who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. Throw him into the outer darkness, into that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Father God, we do praise you for your word. Lord, as we hear from your word this morning, open our hearts to Jesus. Help us to see what all this is really about. Lord, if anyone is here today who is not saved, I pray that today would be the day that you have chosen for them to become the children of God. Lord, we want to worship with you and all the host of heaven when that happens. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, As you're at Matthew chapter 22, I want you to flip back a little bit to chapter 21. We're going to skim through a little bit of Scripture to look at at some context leading up to this point. As I read earlier, there's a little feedback up here. Can you maybe turn me down just a little bit? Um, As I read earlier, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem began what we call Passion Week. It's believed there were over two million people coming into the city during this time. Jerusalem was packed full of people. They had heard about this man who was performing miracles. They had heard about this man who was teaching and preaching They had heard about this man who had made claims to be the Son of God and even God Himself. 
The men, they had heard that this man is coming to town. And as we read, Jesus came to town riding on a donkey colt. His disciples were throwing down their robes and blankets. Uh, People were taking palm leaves and palm branches and throwing them on the road in front of him. And they were praising him, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as James spoke of earlier, little did they know that many of these people who were praising Jesus, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, would at the end of the week be saying, crucify him, crucify him. They would be calling for the most excruciating and shameful death invented by man. My big question has always been, what happened? Praising Him coming in, crucify Him at the end of the week. What went on during this time? As we know, Jesus came into town. He was being praised. Many people saw Him as a conquering king who would come and overthrow Rome. Israel would be free from their oppressors. But as we know, on the other side of this this event in history... That's not exactly what happened. Jesus came in, he cleansed the temple, he caused a, caused a stir at the temple. We see he cursed the fig tree, and then the Pharisees came up and said, by whose authority do you teach these things? And Jesus answered with a question. He says, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? Jesus said, all you have to do is answer this question and I'll tell you by whose authority I say these things. They began reasoning in chapter 21, verse 25. They began reasoning with themselves and they said, well, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? We say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. It's going to cause problems, and that's not what they wanted to happen. There were a lot of people in Jerusalem, and the last thing that the Jewish leaders wanted was a crowd causing problems. Rome did not like that. So Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then he begins telling parables. There are three parables, the parable of the two sons, the parable of the landowner. After telling... The parable of the landowner, if you look in chapter 21, verse 41, they, the Pharisees and scribes, said to him, I'm sorry, wrong place. Verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was talking about them. They finally got it. I think he's talking about us. This enraged them. This did not make them happy. This was one of the reasons they plotted to kill him. And they sought to seize him in verse 46 of chapter 21. They feared the people because they considered him a prophet. And as we know, they made a plan to seize Jesus and they didn't actually want to do it during this week because there were too many people in town and it may cause a riot. But as we know, God had other plans. And down to the very minute detail, God had planned every event that led up to this point. The third parable that Jesus spoke is actually one of my favorite parables. It's a very significant parable. It has many characters. It points to many Points in history, looking backward, looking forward, and looking at the present time of when Jesus spoke it. So let's take a look at what this parable means and how we can apply it to our lives. Verse 1, 22, chapter 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables. As we know, Jesus loved to preach and teach in parables. A parable is a earthly story with a heavenly message. It was usually about something that the people at that time could relate to. They knew 
what Jesus was speaking about. But only some could actually understand the meaning of the parables. The religious leaders, on the most part, had no clue what he was saying. They were very confused, and they eventually, as we just read, came to a point and said, I think he's talking about us. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Now when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven, he's not speaking of some point later in redemptive history. He's not speaking of his return when we will all be in heaven with him. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of heaven is upon us. He actually says in Luke, the kingdom of God is within you. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven, He speaks of salvation. If you are saved, if you have given your life to Christ through repentance and faith, you are part of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus compares this kingdom of heaven to a king who gave a wedding feast for His Son. Weddings during this time in this culture were a lot different than ours. Most of our weddings focused on the bride. But the weddings during Jesus' time in Jewish culture focused on the Son. Everything was for the Son. The wedding that Jesus visited with His disciples and His mother in Cana was much like this wedding. A typical wedding feast may last for a week, sometimes more. But this was a royal wedding feast. The king had set out to honor his son. This would have been a wedding feast of grand proportions. Would have been the best foods, the best drinks, the best music, the best of everything. If you were invited to this wedding feast, it would have been an honor, a privilege to get an invitation. And we see the first of three invitations in verse 3. He sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, but they were unwilling to come. So who were these slaves? First, let's ask the question, who is the king? The king here is referring to God the Father, who is holding a wedding feast for his son. And as we know, the son, Jesus is referring to himself, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man. The king has prepared a wedding feast for his son, And many times when there was a wedding, just like weddings we have today, invitations were sent out prior to the wedding. In the Greek, it actually reads, call those who had already been invited. These people who were invited had already received their invitation. All they were waiting on was the king to come and say, everything is ready. It's time for you to come. Come to the wedding feast. But as we see in verse 3, these who were invited, these who already were chosen to come to the wedding feast of the king's son were unwilling to come. In the Greek it reads they were unconcerned. They weren't concerned for the son. They weren't concerned with glorifying the father by honoring the son. They could care less. John 1, 11 and 12 says, He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 10, 21, But as for Israel, he says, All day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. 
These people who were already invited were the people of Israel, the chosen people of God. So who were the slaves? Who were those who went out and invited them? Well, we could say Isaiah, Zechariah, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, and all the prophets. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout Israel's history, God was telling them, come. It's been well said that the word come is one of God's favorite words. All throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New, we see come. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are burdened, all who are thirsty, all who are heavy laden, come to me. But they were unconcerned, they were unwilling to come. But this king was a loving and benevolent king, kind, merciful, abundant in love and mercy. And in verse 4 we read, again he sent out other slaves, saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat and livestock, all are butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. To receive an invitation like this was such a great honor. And to reject an invitation like this, to refuse an invite from the king, was equal to treason. Those who refused the king's invite more than likely were sentenced to death. Who would refuse the king? Who would refuse such a loving and kind invitation? Everything was ready. Nothing had to be done. There was nothing you could do. Just come. Show up. And for the second time, he sent more slaves. This refers to those during Jesus' life and ministry. John the Baptist. Jesus' disciples, and even Jesus Himself. Come, tell those who have been invited, who have already been invited, everything's prepared. I've done it all. You don't have to do anything. Just show up. Come. And look at their response in verse 4. Actually, verse 5. But they paid no attention. Once again, it reads, they were unconcerned. They were not concerned with the sun. They were more concerned with the things of the world. No attention. It says they went their way, one to his own farm, one to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. Luke 14, this parable is recorded as a banquet. And Luke writes, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out to see it. There's many ranchers in here. How many of you would buy a field without seeing it first? Who would go buy anything without looking at it before you paid it? But apparently... They made this excuse. I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Who would buy cattle without looking at them first? These were lies. These were excuses for why they couldn't come and honor the son. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Why not? You don't have to do anything. Everything's prepared. Come. But they seized the slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus was crucified. His disciples were martyred. If you continue on in church history, more and more disciples were martyred. Those who said, come, 
Many were burned at the stake. They mistreated them and killed them. As I said, this was a patient, loving, kind, benevolent king. Abundant in mercy and loving kindness. But as we read in verse 7, the king's patience had run out for those who had already been invited. Isaiah 29.10 says, For the Lord has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets, and He has covered your heads, the seers. Romans 11.8, Paul writes, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see and not hear, eyes to see not, and ears to hear not, down to this very day. God had hardened the hearts of the people of Israel. They would not see nor hear what he had to say. Romans 11.9 through 10 says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not, and bend their backs forever. And as we read in this parable, the king was enraged. And he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And you may say, when did this happen? Well, when Jesus spoke this, it hadn't happened. But in 70 AD, Rome invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the temple where not one stone set upon another. Then he said to his slaves, another set of slaves, the others had been killed, and now there's a new set of slaves. He said, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways. Who are these slaves? All who came after Jesus. All who follow him. Me, you, everyone who is sitting in church today worshiping Christ as a true believer, those are the slaves and we're called to say, come. There's a place for apologetics. There's a place for debating theology. But the one thing we're all called to do is say, come. Come to the wedding feast. Come honor the Son. Come. I pray that that's what we do. I pray that we have a heart to go out and say, come. And the king says, go to the highways and byways. No more were they going to those who had already been invited. These slaves were going out to the main highways that passed through Jerusalem. The people that were on these roads were beggars. They were poor. They were travelers from other countries. They were Gentiles. They had no right to be in the king's palace. They didn't deserve to get invited. Never would the king have been in the same room with these people, these sinners. But the slaves went out and they were told, go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there. Invite to the wedding feast. So those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all that they found. I want you to notice this part right here. This is very important, both evil and good. He didn't say go find the most righteous people you can find. Don't bring sinful people into my house. He said go and find both evil and good. And that's what we're called to do. We can't pick and choose who we go and invite and say come. We're called to go to all. We don't know who will respond to the gospel. That's on God. He will sort that out. We're called to go and say, come. Everything's prepared. Imagine yourself being one of these people traveling through Jerusalem on the highways and byways. You're covered in dirt and dust. You're wearing filthy clothes. As God would describe them, filthy rags. You're in no way prepared to come to a wedding feast. Ladies and maybe men, we might all say, but I have nothing to wear. I can't come. I have nothing to put on. This royal wedding feast, the king provided the wedding cake. Come. 
nothing you need to do. Come as you are, but you will not stay that way. For the king has provided wedding gowns for you. Typically a royal wedding, the guests wore white robes. They were provided by the king. Come. I, I don't have anything to bring. How long is this going to last? A royal wedding feast would have lasted two, maybe three weeks of banquets, partying, celebration, dancing, singing, all to honor the sun. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. The slaves had done what they were commanded. The wedding hall was filled with guests. Everything was prepared. Nothing had to be done. The guests just had to show up and honor the sun. That's what it was all about. It was all about the sun, and he who honors the sun honors the father, honors the king. And so I ask you are you here today to honor the sun? why we're here. That's what it's all about. Salvation is not about us. It's not about us getting into heaven and out of hell. That's just a benefit of the Father seeking a bride for His Son and seeking to honor the Son. Are you here to honor the Son? Verse 11 says, but when the king came to look over the dinner guest, as he would, the hall was full, he would have came in, who has come to honor my son? He wanted to see everyone that was there. Who has come to honor my son? He saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. He had received the invitation. He came to the wedding feast, but he had not put on the wedding feast. We may say, I thought, Jesus says, come as you are. What's the problem? Why is this an issue? This poor soul would have stuck out like a thumb. Like a dirty spot on a white canvas king would have noticed him instantly. He says, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? How did you get here? I've provided everything. You thought you were good enough. You had done enough. You were righteous enough to just come in here. You refused my provisions. Everything was provided, and you did not put on the wedding clothes. Paul tells us in Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. The apostle also tells us in Colossians 3, 12, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with Christ. The King has provided everything, even what you need to wear. And this man was there without wedding clothes. And what did the man have to say? I did everything. I wasn't that bad. I haven't sinned that much. It's not like I was a murderer or a thief. I did my best. I thought I would be accepted into your palace, into your kingdom. Look at the end of verse 12, because that's not what the man said. We would think that's what one may say. I think I've been good enough to go be there. But verse 12 says, and the man was speechless. 
Revelation, it says, all mouths will be closed and we are brought before the judgment seat of Christ. There will be nothing we can say. But, but, but Lord, you didn't, you didn't really see that the way it happened. You misunderstand things. There's nothing we could say. And this man who was in the king's palace without wedding clothes had dishonored the son. This man had committed a worse offense than those who refused the invitation. He thought he could come on his own terms. The king had offered peace. The king had set the terms. And this man had refused them. Verse 13 is a good warning for us and for those who think that they can come to Christ without receiving what He provided. The king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Get him out of here. Remove him from my palace. The king says, he has offended my son and he has offended me. He doesn't belong here. All he had to do receive what was provided for him. And then we read verse 14. Jesus could have just stopped right there. He throws the sovereign grace of God in the mix. He says, for many are called, but few are chosen. You could read this a different way and say, for all were invited, but only a few came. Everyone received the invitation, but not everyone accepted the provision given by the king. This is not a footnote. This was not spoken by someone else. This came out of the very lips of our Savior. Many are called, but few are chosen. MacArthur in his study Bible notes says, many hear it, but few respond. But we are still called to go and say, come. Come to the wedding feast. We don't know who these chosen are. We are called to just say, come. To everyone, come to the wedding feast. Those who come are those who are chosen. So I ask you, why have you come today? Have you come to the honor of the Son? If you're a believer, that's why we're here, to honor the Son. But if you are not a follower of Christ, if you have not given your life to Christ, God says, come. Jesus says, come. Come to me. All has been prepared. Nothing you can do but come. And when the king calls, you come. Everything's been prepared. As we know, at the end of this Passion Week, Jesus went and suffered most excruciating death ever invented by man. That was what provided everything needed to come. And He did it for you. Christ willingly went to the cross, gave up His life, suffered physical torture and torment that we could never imagine. We literally get the word excruciating from the Latin word cross. Jesus suffered this for you. He suffered humiliation. And he suffered the very wrath of God. And as we know, he died on that cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Or as we will hear next week, he didn't need it for very long. 
And all this was done so that you may come freely to Christ. If you're here today and God has called you to come, and you have responded to that call, come up and let us know. We want to honor the Son with you and praise God for all that He has done. Let's pray. Father God, we praise You, Lord, today. Lord, we are here to honor the Son, to glorify You. Lord, we thank You for the provision that we may come. Nothing is required of us. Christ paid it all. His atoning sacrifice on the cross has prepared everything that we need to come. Lord, we can't praise you enough for that. We can't honor the Son enough for that. Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. name is wonderful. just want you to know that those who have not given their life to Christ, just because we've ended the service doesn't mean it's too late to come. Not everyone walks an aisle, not everyone comes to Christ in church. I didn't, many others have not, so it's never too late to come. God is calling you pray that y'all have a great Sunday afternoon, a great week. Next week we will come together and celebrate a resurrected Savior. God showing us that he has accepted the sacrifice on the cross. Let's pray together. Father God, again we praise you for Christ, for his life, for his death. Lord, for fact that he is resurrected he is a risen savior lord he sits at your right hand right now interceding for us calling those to himself whom you have sent to him he says come lord we are undeserving of that invitation we are undeserving of your love we praise you for your grace for your mercy. We pray all this in the name of the Son.
Jesus Christ, our Lord.